Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Pantheon Rise of the Fallen Rewind, episode 23, a show where we recap community discussion across various social media platforms, answer questions, and try to keep everybody up to date on all things Pantheon. Now, today we have a very special episode, and I want to personally thank Ben Dean, Joppa, and the Visionary Realm team for allowing us to share our story and play experience in Pantheon's PA5 ShakeOut. Now, without approval, uh, this could not have been shared, as all PA5 testing is under NDA. So I'm very excited to share this story, and it'll be replacing the VR social media recap section of our podcast this week, as it's sort of a special occasion. Also, we're going to skip our Pantheon.plus updates section, so we can give ample time to the community discussion piece that Thera covers every week as well as getting into our mailbox. So a slight few changes this week, but I think it's for the best because we're going to get right to the meat and potatoes here at the beginning. But speaking of Theric, how's it going, my friend? Are you excited about this week's show? I'm so excited and I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you. And and normally I always give a little check in on what's going on with me, but you know, not this week. We've got such a good show and interesting stuff lined up that I don't want to keep our listeners waiting thinking, when is this guy going to shut up? Let's just get going. Let's do this thing, man. (laughs) Excellent. So with that, let's not wait any longer and let's get into my experience in pre-alpha five. This week in Visionary Realms news and notes. Today, I am really excited to be given the opportunity to speak in complete transparency about my experience and the adventure I was fortunate to have in the pre-alpha five shakeout for Pantheon Rise of the Fallen. Now, before I begin, it's extremely important to note that the information I'm covering here is from my own perspective. However, it has been authorized by Visionary Realms for release to the public. All pre-alpha 5 information is otherwise under NDA and cannot be released without the express permission of Visionary Realms. That said, I am extremely thankful to get to work with them on releasing my story, one I feel like the Pantheon community will really enjoy. And furthermore, I believe it paints a great picture of confidence and what the Pantheon team is creating and has achieved. Another thing worth noting is that VR has given me the ability to be extremely transparent in this storytelling, so you're going to get all the details I can remember. However, I'm going to leave out some of the names of the players who joined me as they are not needed. I've also covered up some of the names of the enemies or mobs to avoid any spoilers, but you'll still get the full picture. So with that out of the way, let's talk about my experience playtesting and adventuring in Terminus. So much like anyone stepping foot in Terminus for the first time, I was counting down the seconds leading into my play session time. I took the late night shift because I was working long hours at work, and it was really the only time I could step into the world. Heading in, I had planned to play with two other testers I know very well, but we found out last minute that one of us was not on the same server for the shakeout. This led to my other friend and I stepping into the world, but much different locations. You see, I started as a dire lord and he started as a shaman. So upon stepping into the world, I sort of explored around the starting area and started engaging low-level enemies just to get a feel for the game. Almost immediately, though, I was invited to a group with two other Dire Lords and a Shaman. This happened very naturally, and everyone was greeting one another and started to discuss things. So now, as a group of five, we started our adventure out into the world, three Dire Lords and two Shaman. Of course, first on the list was trying to find our Shaman friends. There was no map, no mini-map, and really no way to find each other with the exception of a compass. So through party chat, we began to list out things we were seeing until we found a way to relate our positions via seeing thrown fast in the distance. It felt like it was forming a relationship with the area because we didn't have a map. 
So even after only three hours of exploring this area, I felt like I could navigate through it by a sense of familiarity alone, um, which is pretty interesting. This is what a map did for us. In our journey to find one another, we avoided NPCs, small towns, um, knowing that dire lords were not welcome. Um, but of course, we still heard the yelling of the guard striking them down across the zone. And I have to definitely say that this added uh, some extra tension to our travel. <laughs> Eventually, we would find one another and we started moving along, killing various forest creatures for EXP. As we were working towards Thronefast, suddenly we got a perception ping and the group text chat lit up. Everyone getting really excited, we began an adventure to sort of find the source of these voices around us, guiding us towards the source of this storyline. We would work our way around Thronefast, climbing cliffs, traversing the land, and following ping after ping, telling us we were getting closer and closer to the voices. However, soon, we would find ourselves up on a ledge and out of guesses on where to head next. Eventually, we decided to try a rather dangerous climb to an area below, which led to a few members falling to their death. Uh, however, those that survived were excited to then be ambushed by skeletons and die. This was our first real wipe of the night. So without maps, we had been playing a uh, great detail of attention to everything, started to name landmarks where we could meet up, etc. While it took some time, as we were new to the game in the area, obviously, we would eventually all meet back up and start our adventure again, going back to killing some wildlife for XP. As then we stumbled upon a lot of other groups that were camping small areas of like bandits, bonds, or other enemies, but we decided that we didn't really want to sit in one place and just try to gather experience, that we'd rather explore and level up naturally. Eventually, we would come across a cave in the side of the wall next to the gates of Avenger's Pass. Outside the cave were level six and seven grizzly bears. And for the first time we had seen bears, it was exciting to try to take them out. Now, keep in mind, at this point, we were only about level three across the group. We had to see what challenge these bears would pose because we had taken down some level five and six bats and wolves. And while it was a little difficult, we were able to get it done. So at this point, we realized that some of the devs were watching us from an invisible state. One of our group members, unfortunately, however, got too close to a bear before we were ready and he was instantly taken down. He would make his way back. But with the quickness that the bear took down our friend, we sort of knew that we were in for a fight. We organized our healers and designated that I would be pulling back to the group. We attacked the bear first. Uh, this was a level six. And although it was a struggle, we were able to take it down. Our mana and HP was very low, but, it, but we got it, right? So we, it was good. It was a close call. So we sat down, strategized a bit, and then we made our way to pull our second bear, a level seven. And this battle did not go very well. So as I informed the group that I would be pulling, I grabbed a grizzly and began backing it to the group. But I didn't even make it very far as the bear too shot me and uh, put me in the dirt. <laughs> Having not even time to gain hate from the bear, it would actually just walk away from us back to its cave and leave my corpse in the middle of the area for all to see. <laughs> it was a good time, a good memory, but at that point I had enough of bears. <laughs> Finally, um, on night one, we would find our way all back to each other and discover an area of ruins circled by cursed wolves, wandering spirits, and a very scary dire wolf who was level 10. We did our best and successfully avoided the dire wolf, but eventually respawns of cursed wolves would end our night, causing another wipe. Night one was an absolute blast, but that was simply a small start to what would happen next. You see, in true Pantheon fashion, these strangers and I would come together and decide before the night ended that we would do this again and then finish what we started. 
A friendship had quickly formed, and we all got together to start a private Discord message group so we could not only communicate more effectively on night two, but furthermore strategize in advance on what we wanted to achieve. This happened so naturally, and all throughout Sunday, we were messaging each other with ideas about our experience and how we wanted to go about adventuring on that second night together. Through the day, it seemed like over 100 messages were sent in that group, just planning what we wanted to do, and we had decided a few things right off the bat. So first, we wanted to avenge our missteps first and foremost. So we planned in order that we would continue to dig into perception pings that we did not figure out the end of. We would once again engage the bears who embarrassed me, and we would venture to the ruins, not only to avenge our deaths, but we wanted to establish ourselves within the ruins of the broken down fort um, and see what was inside. So that was the plan, and we were determined to put it into action. So with us now engaged in voice chat, it was a lot easier to communicate, and one of our party members distinctly remembered how to get back to where we left off in trying to solve the perception pings that we were getting on night one. Having died at the end of the previous session, I was back at the Dire Lord's starting area with another one of my group members who suffered the same fate. We gathered to the top of the hill and started making our way down as we ran into a shaman who seemed to be having a little trouble in a fight. We helped him out, shared some waves to one another, And then having one slot left in our group, I just asked him if he'd like to join us on our adventure, and he excitedly agreed. So now we were a full group. We had three shaman and three dire lords. Because a lot of the mobs we're looking to engage were a lot higher than us, I asked if it would be okay if I main tank and pulled for the group, just to stay more organized. This would allow our healers, for the most part, to focus target me for heals, which most of the time they had to do to keep me from uh, dying. So the group was okay with this decision, and we met up where we had left off in the perception discovery. Now, I'm not going to spoil too many details here, but after climbing down from where we were, the pings started up fast and furious. So we were on the right track had we not fallen to our death and been ambushed by skeletons. And eventually, we would stumble upon a wandering group of travelers down a long side path, and the pings just intensified. The group, now in voice chat, would let out excited exclamations when a ping would pop up. We'd all run over to experience and read what it said. This would lead us to another really awesome scene where we would see an archai undergoing what looked like elemental entombment or something of the like. It was there that we were granted the opportunity to become keepers, but we had an interesting discovery. As we were going through the process, there were a lot of possible response paths, and a few of us took some different paths in the conversation. Eventually, we would all become keepers, but importantly, the voices we would hear were not always as confident in some of us as others. One of our party members would experience pings that would show doubt in his ability to be perceptive, while others were encouraged. To finalize our perception experience much later on our journey, we actually came across a tombstone hidden way back in a graveyard we would stumble upon. Then the members who the voice was doubting would investigate the tombstone first, and on it read the name of a fallen citizen and a date of his passing. However, when I clicked on the tombstone, I got a much different explanation. On my screen, his death was detailed by betrayal from the queen, an unfair trial, and the loss of everything he had, including his land and family. This painted a picture of what seemed to be much more to come, and this was the flagging system for perception on full display. So with goal number one completed, we next went to the ruins with the cursed wolves and spirits. There was a group actually camped off in front of the the, uh, fortress, just farming respawns of the wolves in the area and a couple of the wandering spirits. So we had no intention of ever setting up a camp, and we wanted to get inside the fort to see what was there. As not to disrupt the other group, we decided to work our way around the backside of it. 
by clearing wolves and skeletons in our path. This is where we stumbled upon a graveyard that we mentioned previously, and it was full of skeletons and wandering spirits. That said, the tombstone we found actually much later, as it was hidden in a back area behind that graveyard. So we cleared some spirits, we got to a safe spot behind the fort, and then we started clearing wandering spirits. The issue, however, was there's no entrance on the backside of the fort. But in the front, there was where the group was camping. But this is Pantheon, right? So I came up with a different idea. Now, knowing very well that this could spell my doom, I had the group get back and started to climb this small chimney-like stack that protruded from the side of the fort. I was able to climb to the top and was greeted immediately by a wandering spirit on a small upper ledge within the fort. After letting out a panicked cry, I'm sure in Discord, I jumped down and ran to the group. Luckily in this adventure, group assisting was not on for enemies, but we didn't know that at first. I sat by the group waiting to see what would happen, and the Discord was silent in wait. All of a sudden, the wandering spirit made its way to us. We were able to take it down. As we cheered, it was time to climb again, and I had noticed another spirit on the upper ledge before jumping down. I got more strategic here in using my new level 4 ability to pull it, which was called Provoking Phantoms. As I climbed to the top, I jumped and in midair cast the spell connecting with the spirit, and surely enough, just like before, it would run to us from outside the fort. So now with it clear, we would climb the area again, establish a safe spot on the ledge, and then I called the group to join us. From there, we'd pull many more spirits up to us and clear the area below and start working our way down. Then a fatal mistake was made. One of our group members went AFK and rather than waiting, I got a little antsy and started to pull some spirits to the group. When we engaged one of the enemies, a respawn occurred near us at the top of the steps, patrolled down and added to the fight. Now we got one down and the other one was close, but I met my fate as myself and a few others died. One of our healers survived and then made their way to safety, but this was officially another wipe. Now, having seen the inside of the fort, discovered the graveyard and broken in successfully, we decided it was time to go back to the bears and get revenge that we needed from the night before. We took down the bears all around the cave, went inside to see what we can find. Inside, more bears. We killed a couple more and had some time to spare. At this point, we were about an hour, maybe an hour and a half in, and I noticed something when I was running back to the group from one of our deaths. There was a small cave, and inside were a few bandits and traders. I couldn't tell how deep the cave was, but the group joined me and we started breaking in. We began to clear a few thieve-like mobs, and knowing that the enemies have player abilities, I made sure to never turn my back to them for fear of being backstabbed. Now, these mobs were called Gadai traders, bandits, and names of the sort. We would work our way through the cave and eventually get to a point where we were outside it again. Now, at first I was let down, right? And even the group was upset thinking that's all there was to it. We thought, oh, we were just at another entrance part to the cave, but we were wrong. Outside, we saw some new animals we were killing. And as we climbed around, we started to see more bandits very close by. We started fighting them. And honestly, it would lead us to a second cave entrance. And this one was familiar. When we stepped inside, we realized we were in the cave in which Joppa, Bendine, and Ronick had encountered the mages in the last developer stream, which, by the way, had taken them down. Sure enough, we got to the top of the area and saw the same mage that had laid waste to the aforementioned group. I asked the group to stay back, and sure enough, we had another mage to the right when I was scouting. I walked back down, and we started to look at the area we were in. There was a small spire of rock that hung from the ceiling to the ground and we were hoping to use it for a line-of-sight pull. I'm not ever one to fight a mage with a stand, and our group didn't have any abilities to make the caster move or interrupt them, 
So unsure of how it would go, the group gathered up behind a pillar and I ventured up to pull with my provoking phantom spell. As it successfully hit, I let out a yelp, turned and ran for my life as the mage started to cast a fire spell in my direction. I joined the group, the cast had stopped, and the mage was running towards us. We did it. We successfully line of sight pulled the mob, and now it was up to the healers to keep me alive. Now this mob was a level 8 fire mage, and I was getting hit hard. The three shaman were working overtime, and the added burning debuff I took didn't help at all. However, we were very fortunate to get the mage down, and now we had one left. Now this one was a level 9. Keep in mind the highest of us was level 4, and we had some level 3s. We would soon find out that this level 9 mage was an ice mage. We pulled it the same way that the group had done before, and the best the group did their best, absolutely best, to keep me up. But just as we took it down, I went down as well. The mage's power overcame my HP pull. Now, that was noting that there was really not a whole lot the healers could do in that scenario, as it was just hitting me hard. So eventually we would regroup, and then we went up and we would clear more thieves, pick locks, and casters. Then once again, like earlier, there was a bit of a letdown. We had gotten to the end of the cave in a dark stone-covered corner. A few of us let out a sigh, but another astute group member said, it's not over. Look up there. And sure enough, we saw a very hard-to-see ledge that looked like we could possibly stand on it. So sure enough, we all climbed up, and it led to a hallway that led deep inward and would eventually fight our way through more Gadai bandits. Once again, we got to the end, and there was a huge cave opening that showed sunlight. And pathing towards us was a new mob we hadn't seen called a Gadai Heavy. An armored-up tank-like enemy, this one stood with a sword and a shield, an awesome-looking medieval-style plate helm. We dispatched him quickly, and he would drop some heavy leather, a huge upgrade for my AC. The group decided there that since we were running out of time, for me to take any AC gear as I was taking all the damage— I wasn't going to complain about it as I love loot, but more importantly, they had a great point. As we exited the cave, we found ourselves on a widespread ledge of sorts, overlooking Throne Fast in the distance. We were up pretty high, and we found ourselves right in the encampment of the Gadai. There were multiple areas with tents, patrolling enemies, fishermen, campfires, and all the sorts scattered all over the area. We would carefully work our way out of the area, pulling back using trees and corners to make sure we were in control of the combat area. With a few armor upgrades and a dagger from a rogue we took out, the healers were seemingly able to keep me up a bit better as I was no longer dying from the very challenging ice mages we encountered. As we cleared the area, looking around the tents, we came upon a big waterfall and a large commander-style tent. We knew that this was something important, so we began to clear all around it as a team, pulling back and making sure we had the mana to continue. We had downtime, but not as much that would keep our group away from pushing forward pretty consistently, and we didn't want to get trapped with respawns. As I walked up to the tent, there were two heavy guards wielding two-handed axes in heavy armor, standing guard. I walked around from a distance to see if I could see inside the tent, but it appeared that only another guard was inside. As I walked back to the group, we pulled up one of the guards and on the right side, and we took it down. It was then that a named commander came into view. He was level 10. We had not taken on a level 10 yet, especially a named one. We eyed him up with his two daggers in hand and what looked like heavy rogue armor. We were running low on time for the night, so I asked the group, are we ready? Everyone excitedly said, let's do this. We had come too far not to try, and we weren't sure if we'd make it, But hey, why not give it a go? We got filled up on our resources, buffed with all the shaman, 
and then it was on. We pulled him back, and as we prepared, I explained to the healers to heal me constantly, even if I was full. I knew I would spike hard, and I would rather have us die from running out of mana than missing a heal. So sure enough, as the shaman's mana was near empty capacity across the group, the name commander dropped to the ground. We did it. And although very close to dying multiple times and probably not breathing much during the fight, the entire group was alive to celebrate. I checked the loot and sure enough, there was a new upgraded chest piece with plus one to constitution and a very heavy upgrade on AC. I threw it on and the chest mimicked that of the commander as it was a leather stitched together across my chest with a black, heavy, dark stitching across sort of like a brown, tethered leather. It was then Joppa sent us a message to the group, and he had stated to the best of his knowledge, no one had discovered the area we did, and it was impressive that we were able to band together to get to and take down this mysterious commander. He congratulated us on an amazing adventure, and the Discord team sort of lit up with excitement. It's also worth noting that I experienced very little bugs outside of inventory management issues personally. While I had some suggestions for improvement, my gameplay experience was pretty seamless, but please know that I can't speak for others in that regard. Overall, it was a truly amazing experience that, in my opinion, was led perfectly by the Pantheon tenants. To begin with, the content kept us adventuring, and when it seemed like we had consumed it all, the world mysteriously led us forward. We were only playing two classes with limited abilities, and the classes still felt unique and interesting. Even with limited skills, the combat was immersive, and the strategies needed to pull a line and prep for fights was there. The challenge we faced and the fear that was put into us from the world was amazingly rewarding, and the more we ventured forth with risk, the greater reward we saw in armor and weapon drops. While we only hit a max level as four as a team, every level mattered, and the reason we were able to achieve what we did is because at four, the first Dire Lord to get there, I was able to get Provoking Phantoms, which is really the only way we could progress to have a ranged taunt that would actually generate hate, which allowed me to keep aggro. The downtime we had, which is a key part of Pantheon, was never extremely long. However, it gave us time to plan our attack, positioning, and joke about what we had experienced. We also truly engaged the world with climbing and seeking out perception pings and using points of interest to get back to one another when we wiped. However, most importantly, Pantheon states that two key tenets that I feel were very key to one of the most enjoyable moments in my MMO RPG career. First, a sincere commitment to creating a world where focus on cooperative play will attract those seeking a challenge, and a belief that the greatest sense of accomplishment comes when it's shared and earned. We just lived that. All those details above are why I pledged to Pantheon just two years ago. These tenets rang out to me in a way no other game did. It's why I've invested so much time in content creation, engaging the community, running social media accounts, building a team, and so much, so much more. Every day was worth it to get the game I was craving and to be a true part of the community. In just two short three-hour sessions, all of the tenants were felt, and the full experience was there. And on top of all that, I've met four friends whom I didn't know before, who I feel like I'll be friends with the rest of my Pantheon experience. I felt and I witnessed hashtag community matters like never before. I experienced adventure and wonder again. And I 100% undoubtedly know now that more than ever, that the team at Visionary Realms has done something amazing. Sure, the areas were in gray box, things were being added, more classes are being worked on, and there's more development to do. But Joppa's known for saying at the core of development without all the bells and whistles that you can still feel if a game is fun, gray box or not, added abilities or not. And I had perhaps the most fun I've ever had. And I'm not exaggerating here, even in this state. 
The core of the game is alive and well. Pantheon Rise of the Fallen is alive and well. And to those that didn't get to experience this, I truly hope that you get a sense of pride for what's coming and confidence on what this game will be delivering. I'm not exaggerating any pieces of this. The excitement was true. The friendships were true. The danger and fun and just discovery was amazing. So thank you to listening to my adventure and thank you to Visionary Realms for allowing me to share it to you in this format. As a reminder, please know that this story is being released with approval from the VR team. And it should be known that the NDA remains in full effect outside of the sharing of this story. I would also note that while I would love to, I will not really be able to answer any questions or give any further details about these experiences, at least not yet. So as Joppa always says, onward. Pantheon fans, we are in great hands. Okay, so first of all, let me just say what an epic story that was. Like, if you're listening to that and you don't get amped up for Pantheon, there might be something wrong with you. But seriously, I know we can't, I'm not going to ask any questions. And and I do have a few takeaways while I was listening to it. And maybe some of the things our audience sort of was thinking as well. What you said about the only means of navigation being a compass and landmarks, creating an intimate knowledge with the area, just it really speaks to me. And, you know, I love how it facilitated conversation with your group members. Um, you know, it just demonstrates so accurately how a little design decision can can do that, right? You mentioned a, like a relationship with the area and that planted a seed for a relationship with your group members. So, you know, that's amazing in my mind. And I absolutely loved hearing that. The other thing I noticed is like 80% of the story offered some facet of social gameplay, right? So whether you guys were strategizing, exploring, making loot decisions, you know, I could go on and on about what it what it looked like. This is the kind of experience modern MMOs just don't offer. And I, and I say that with a firm belief that that's true. Um, the other thing I love, the perception piece with the tombstone, right? Like what a glowing example of the perception system. That's what I'm looking for. And with deeper information that, with, with the deeper information that you acquired, uh, like as opposed to your group mates, man, if that was me, like I'd be making notes and I'd be to go back and continue my investigation wherever that leads for another night, you know, digging deeper into the story. Or maybe if I was one of those people that didn't get those details, I'd be going back to see what I missed or to find something that would allow me to get that level of description if I had, if I hadn't gotten it. So that's so like enticing to me and, and just makes me excited all over to, to, to get dive into something like that. Well, I'll actually jump in on that for a second too, because you know, when we got to that tombstone, we had seen it from really high up above. So like when we got to it, as it said in that video, like the first person who went to it was the person who didn't get the full message, which we kind of talked about in that recap there. But so like if I hadn't gone and clicked on it, everyone else was like, oh, okay, it's nothing like, and then I start reading it and that guy's like, well, I I didn't get that. (laughs) It was, it was this really, it it played out very organically. It was interesting. And and like, you wouldn't have known that if you hadn't, you know, if you hadn't said if somebody had said something, it would have maybe just been assumed, okay, and we're done. This is, it ends here. It was an interesting little story, but no, you guys were talking and it was somebody mentioned that, you know, no, there's, you know, maybe come check this out, see what it says. You know, I, I just find that so interesting. And, you know, you're going to laugh, but I got to mention that if we ever go camping, you and me hiking or something like that in real life, I, I'm going to feel pretty safe because if we run into a bear, I know all I got to do is outrun you <laughs> because the bear is coming after you. Every game we played, a bear has attacked you and killed you. What is going on with bears in me? Like, do they know I don't like druids? Like, is that like, is, I think are, do. 
is there already elven druids conspiring against me across games? The elven gods are watching you at all times. And every time you speak ill of the elves, another bear is tapped to find you in game and take you out. So that was the question I had. I was going to be asked, like, what did you do in a past life to, to you know, anger these bears so much? But I, I stand by my belief that uh, I will feel safe if we ever go out in the woods together. <laughs> you don't have to be the fastest one. You just have to be faster than the person you're with, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's right. Okay. So those are my reflections. I'll just finish up. And, and, and I want to, I was so inspired by this and I, and I mentioned to you this earlier today. Um, I'm happy to announce I've upgraded my pledge from champion to VIP level as of this morning, this, you know, hearing this story answered, you know, whatever questions, if I had some, you know, lingering um, concerns or anything like that, it certainly answered those questions. And it's time to, for me to put my money where my mouth is and, you know, get this game to launch. So I hope everybody listening had the same sort of, you know, um, enjoyment listening to that clip. And I think we're in, we're in pretty good shape. eh? Yeah. I found it out, man. And you know, we're going to put a poll out there uh, and Basgrim did it first. So I don't want to pretend I'm not stealing his idea because I am, but we're going to put a poll out there eventually and, and check for it on all the different social media. But I just want to know, like has Pantheon plus, whether it's Theric, myself, Drac, um, you know, anybody involved, have we helped you decide like to pledge to Pantheon at any point? Like, have you upgraded because, you know, of the content and the excitement we show? I'm kind of curious to hear what the listeners have to say. Like, have we had an impact? Because at the end of the day, Theric, you know, we really do this because we want Pantheon to succeed. We want Pantheon to, to come out and share it with everybody and, and bring more fans in. So I'm kind of curious if we put a poll out there, just like, you know, have you pledged because of us? Have you upgraded because of us? Are you thinking about it or haven't you? Or, you know, were we not involved type of thing? We might put that out because I just I'd like to know if we've had an influence because that's important to me. So. Yeah, think? I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. I'd love to see what people have to say about that. And, and I think that's a, I think it's, um, a, you know, like you said, a big part of what motivates us to do this kind of stuff is just to, um, you know, get people involved and, and bring people in. And, you know, at the end of the day, we want a world with full of people when we, uh, yeah. when the game launches. Yeah. Well, everybody, that is my experience in the uh, pre-alpha five shakeout. Um, again, remember the shakeout was a very small segment. It was made to test some stuff for VR. This is not the full PA5 experience, which says quite a bit for the adventure I was able to have. And please, I'm just going to reiterate one more time that um, anybody who is in any sort of testing, that it is under NDA to you know, give any of that out. So please don't do it without ever consulting VR first. We are very fortunate for them to allow us to put this out. And we worked with them very hard to make sure we were you know, not spoiling anything too, because we don't want to spoil anything for you guys out there. So that's why a couple of names are removed and things like that. But uh, again, just thank you to Visionary Realms. And we hope you guys have enjoyed this little special story. And with that, that's it for VR News and Notes. When the Pantheon community speaks, we listen. So let's dig into social media and see what the discussion is all about. Okay, so it's hard to follow up something like that, but we can't not include our community because that's what this show is all about. So we got to have a community discussion. And the topic this week is actually pretty fun and it's it's pretty simple, but uh, yeah, a lot of people got involved and there was a lot of discussion. It was actually cross-posted between the official Pantheon Twitter feed and the forum. So we got you know a couple of responses um, from both places. So here's the question. Uh, so Pantheon MMO asked, in your opinion, what is the most important class in a general group makeup in an MMORPG like Pantheon? Tank, healer, DPS or support and why? So lots of responses, like I said. We'll start off with uh, with our pal Drac attack. 
he uh, he was hyping up his wizard, his favorite class. He says, wizard, they keep the tank and the healer sharp because they pull aggro with their massive DPS. They keep the crowd control cra- classes on their toes because they AOE all the mez mobs <laughs> and they keep the supports busy with requests for clarity. Wizards make everyone better. I love the <laughs> the way he went at that. You know, like. I know <laughs> the, the, the definition of best or more, most important is, is kind of fluid in Drax's mind. I think so. <laughs> uh, the next one, Mike Larry said, as a former tank, I can emphatically say healer. So I like that. He's not, you know, touting his own class. He's saying he likes the class that kept him alive. So mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. Stonefish over on the uh, forums, he said, he's kind of a fun uh, poster. He always has interesting things. He says, this feels like asking, what is the most important part of an airplane? The cockpit, the wings, the engine, or the wheels? With regard to Pantheon, I would say class is irrelevant and teamwork is imperative. But if I had to choose, my answer is whatever role the ranger plays. Uh, Of course. The the rangers are always there to allow you one-trick ponies to feel like you're vital to the group. So, gee, I wonder why you picked that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just just stuck out on for some reason. <laughs> something about it. Stands in fire says, as I said elsewhere the other day, not the most important, but good DPS is criminally underrated, and just to sh- and just how smooth they can make things go in a group. The floor for acceptable might be higher, sure, but the healer notices when you do good and appreciates it. So that's a good, point. good point. That's a good point because DPS as a whole gets a really bad rap, but like a really good DPS is like game changing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I tried to balance these out. It's not all, you know, I tried to give everybody equal, uh, all roles got a little bit of a shout out here. So uh, <laughs> it's not just Rangers and DPS that I'm going to be. Uh, okay, okay. Okay. So Toadman Bear says, I think the most important class is support specifically because they provide a much needed utility to the game. Barring their use extends beyond simple buffs or debuffs, a well-balanced variance of support style play will lead to more exciting formulas for the Trinity crew. So that's kind of a cool way of putting it. Um, Breakout says, as someone who played a healer most of the time, the most important class is the one holding aggro. Most of the time it's a tank, but every now and then a DPS class fills the role. I hate dying. So... (laughs) If, if you're a DPS class and you're holding aggro, man, and you're doing it successfully, that's that's some pretty high-level stuff. So I, I respect that. Um, Alicera said, probably a tank because you can have bad DPS. Fights just take longer and more challenging. Same with a bad healer. People die a lot and fights take longer. But if you have a bad tank, you're not really going to make it very far. A tank always has to be on top of it, in my opinion. Uh, Zane Stern said... I would say they're all equally useful if the content is intended to be a challenge. If the content is easy, uh, easy enough, nothing is more important. Nothing is most important, and some classes aren't necessary at all. However, the content is difficult. Every if the content is difficult, every single class is necessary to win fights. And it's tough uh, I to think read that, Twitter, isn't it? Because there's yeah. a certain limit of how many. <laughs> I love this because normally anybody who listens to the show know that. I'll typically do the Twitter segment, but he kind of tied it into the <laughs> the community segment here. And it, because it's limited in how many things you can type, it's it's very difficult sometimes to read a Twitter. Oh, 100%. It's very <laughs> different because I'm used to the forum posts where I copy and paste them and then I like... I can clean them up a little grammatically, right? If I feel like it would be tough to read. But with these, it's like I'm reading screenshots and it's like, <laughs> some people just don't write the way that I think, you know, and it's hard to you read. Don't other have people's thoughts. You don't have enough yeah, characters. Right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Whatever it is, not enough. 
Um, the next one up is Keith Hill. He says they're all important. And that's part of the issue is everyone not realizing that the whole group working together are greater than the sum of those parts. Absolutely love that idea. Mm-hmm. And it's because I like it is like the, the, the sum greater than the sum of those parts is exactly what it is. You know, a group is a group becomes an entity into of itself. It's not just, you know, four or five, six people each doing one role. It's like everybody sort of gels to become this, this one thing. So it's a pretty cool way of looking at it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, you, you disagree. I'm getting a sense that you disagree with that. Well, we'll get to my thoughts at the end. Okay. <laughs> I heard you humming and hawing over there. I was going to see. Listen, up, I listen. We'll wait. We can all hold hands in Kumbaya. I get it. It's, but there's a real answer to this question, but go ahead. Ooh, interesting. What a tease. Okay. So the next one is uh, Odd Bunny. He says, what's the most important class in an MMORPG and why is it the support bard? Because bard, they improve everyone from the tank to the healers, even if they can't play Freebird. So he's a big bard fan. There you go. Eric Campbell says, though not a class I ever play in a game, crowd control. In EQ, for example, with a great enchanter, even the toughest dungeons were easily managed versus the uncontrolled train fest they always became. That was exactly my experience, man. If you didn't have a good enchanter, you were you were in big, big trouble most of the time. Uh, Nimicry says, tank, hands down. Tanks being the de facto party lead and directly controlling the flow of combat. Hmm. So easy. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that necessarily if you're the tank and you're sort of in that role. Well, going going back to Eric Campbell for a second. So this question mm-hmm. isn't, you know, in EQ what's most important or in yeah. Pantheon what's most important. It's in MMORPGs. There's been one MMORPG where there's been an enchanter. That was EQ1. Even in EQ2, you didn't really need to mez and do stuff, right? That's so true. it's really hard for me to put a support as the main when literally it's been in one MMO in a significant way. So, like, I don't know. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. Smaller, uh, smaller sample size, smaller. I mean, it was definitely evidence. important. Don't get me wrong. It was very important in EQ to have a great enchanter, you know, in some situations. It made things easier for sure. It made yeah. things easier in a, in like duos, trios type of situations, a lot more than full group, in my opinion. Yeah. And I, you know, but I think the idea is the template, it's EQ is, you know, and I, it's not a copy, but it's a template for what Pantheon is going to be most closely resembles, you know, it'll be modern. It'll have, you know, elements of other games for sure. But I think that when people are thinking about Pantheon, they're thinking about, you know, in EverQuest, the enchanter fulfilled a role that is going to be very necessary in Pantheon. I think at least I hope so. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Could be wrong. I I mean, we'll see. I just, again, it's most important. I I don't know. Okay. Mm. I'll I'll talk forever. (laughs) I'll wait till the end. (laughs) Okay. Uh, next up is uh, Anwene, and uh, they say oh, you say plug. their names so much better than I do. <laughs> well, I, I picked I picked the easy ones, man. You make Anwene? it hard. I've never been able to say their name. I well, we've had practice time. with that one though. It's uh, like they've been on the show a bunch, and so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I still can't. I feel say like it. I know this person really well now. I can okay. say them on the street and be like, "Hey, what's up, Anwene?" All right. All right. <laughs> so they say, "Shameless plug, healer. Without a dedicated healer, a group won't get too far." But really, a truly successful group depends upon the classes to be played with a fair amount of proficiency. That's really the cornerstone. Uh, Sarah Cannon says, it's more important to have a group of people who know how to play their class to its full potential, to be kind and communicate well. Other than that, it's very situational. 
Uh, Fictional Gaming says, DPS makes a strong case. If you can't kill mobs fast enough, then respawns start happening. Healers go out of mana. Supports go out of mana. Potions run out. DPS have some CC that is utilized for mi- to minimize pulls. Trying, and he's basically saying, I'm trying to offer an outside opinion out of tanks are number one. <laughs> yeah. So that respawn <laughs> piece is very important, especially for Pantheon. That re- that's actually that's one of the best cases. Fictional gaming just put the best case out for DPS. I think. Yeah. So fictional gaming wins the uh, t- wins the Twitter poll in, in your well, uh, for DPS. <laughs> uh, our buddy furious pierre i've decided that they're not his twitter icon is no longer pancakes i'm getting away from pancakes it is definitely some sort of a cake now at this point so is it? yeah definitely anyway furious pierre says a good utility class can I make your break soup what is no it way. it's that soup that has the cheese melted over it, it it's like french onion soup is that your thing i don't know maybe i think that's what you're thinking I don't think so. It's definitely some sort of cake with like icing on it. Anyway, I feel. <laughs> what are we talking about? Our listeners can't even see this. Look uh, up Furious anyway. Pierre on Twitter. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Check him out. A good utility class can make or break a group with decent CC slow. You could tank and heal with hybrids. If you have both heals and tanks, you make their job 100% easier too. Uh, from the forums, Gintaki88 says, kind of, and this is kind of funny. He says, kind of depends on who you ask. Tanks will stand there with their arms by their sides and say it's them. Healers will call you all hopeless idiots idiots without them. And there goes the DPS off getting killed. (laughs) He sees like no class is important. He's like, they're all morons. Everybody thinks they're important, but nobody is. See, I read that more as like tanks are important. Healers are important. And how great the DPS is dead again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, you might not be wrong there. Uh, a just says class is hard, most likely a healer, a little bit more than a tank. Someone has to keep the people standing in fire alive. That's very true because people always stand in fire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gast says he, he's, I like the way he says this. He says, DPS, get learned to make stuff more deader. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Homer Simpson or something like that. Uh, Strieg says, this is a good one. Whatever class the group leader is. If someone doesn't put forth the effort to make the group one, then nothing works. I've seen so many times a full mixture of classes all looking for group, but no one wants to start the group. Mad respect, <clears throat> mad respect for leaders. Super agree with that. And I'll talk about that in my piece at the end here. But um, I know you probably agree with that too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, finishing up here, Pickles says it's a good puller. Is that support, DPS, or tank? Maybe a combination of those. Been playing classic WoW, and when you don't have a good puller in a raid, I want to die. So another one of those, like somebody said leader, you know, he says puller, so it's not necessarily those four roles defined. It's more like other sort of roles. And then lastly, Counterfletch from the forums says, every team needs a heal monkey. Without a healer, who will you blame for the wipe when the DPS pulls adds, when the tank is at 15% hit points, and you're out of mana? So uh, lots of good replies there. Um, you know, like I said, if I have to take one of those, f- one of the four choices that were offered, you know, I'm going to say healer. Um, for me, I think it takes a lot of skill to understand timing of a good heal. You know, when that damage spike is sort of incoming and, and when you have to protect yourself for the greater good of the group, like if it means letting somebody die, tough. you know. Yeah. yeah you healing know, it, yourself is, it, 
is what makes a, a healer a great healer versus an okay healer is like if they're good at keeping themselves alive and prioritizing. Cause like I've healed a lot of times where I'm just looking at everybody's health bars except my own. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And I've never played, like I've never mained a healer. I've played them sort of a little bit, but nothing, you know, um, never been the focus. And I always, there's a self, a selflessness about playing a healer that I respect a lot. But if I give the answer I really want to give, I'm going to agree with what Streak said and, and talk about the leadership role. I feel like any group can be successful more or less with someone who has like the confidence, communication skills and, and the wherewithal to lead a, a really good group. But um, so I minus, I know you replied on this one. What's what's your take here? Yes, yeah, so I'll read my Twitter post and then I'll, I'll go into it a bit here. So okay. it says, although I'm uh, looking to main a rogue in Pantheon MMO and I'd love to say all classes matter as some people have and sit around the circle and, and wall again, kumbaya <laughs> and life is great. Um, having a strong and knowledgeable tank who can lead, which kind of somebody said before is really important to me. So like, so think about a tank positions, they can scout, they pull a lot of times. Now I know that EQ is a little different, but in most games, the tank's going to pull and set stuff up, um, guide plan and, and typically take that leader role. If, if you look at a group, I think nine out of 10 people would say it's usually the tank who steps up to control the group. You kind of go at their pace. They kind of check in. They're pulling. They're pulling back to you. Um, I, again, I get it that there's going to be some some people who say, well, an EQ, you know, Rangers pulled or Monks pulled. Or, um, but, but generally, when we're speaking all MMOs, a tank is going to typically pull position, you know, line of sight, that kind of stuff to get right. to get the pulls in or jump into an AOE and grab group aggro. Um, whatever it's going to be, I, I can't I can't for the life of me pick anything other than tank. Healer's close second. Support is a distant last place because if you have a good healer and tank, everything, you can do anything. I mean, that's the end of the day. Yeah. Um, you know, in, unless there's like cooldown timers and specific moments where DPS has to be really strong. Nine times out of 10, if you have great tanks and healers, you can achieve anything. Um, yeah. That's kind of where, yeah. where I'm at on it. Yeah. Hard to disagree with that. You know, seeing, you just see a lot of evidence of that and it, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's, it's the sort of the two basics, right? Just survive and eventually wear them down enough. But uh, uh, yeah, doesn't lessen my, my love for DPS, but, uh, but you're right. Okay, so from there, um, quick uh, update on something in the community in terms of a community project. But I've mentioned Ben and I before on our uh, show, and he is a fan fiction author and a, a quite a great one at that. He finished his epic story called Emmonsel's Shadow. And so part six is over on the forums and um, it's just an epic read. And what I've done is actually, I find it difficult to read each part sort of individually as a separate post, because what happens is people on the forums reply and then they get bumped around and you know, they're never in order anymore. So I reached out to Ben and I and I asked him if it would, if I, if he would be okay, if I compiled his whole story into like a PDF and sort of compiled it into a readable uh, document. And he said, yeah, for sure. That'd be great. He was all, you know, game for it. And so what I've done is I've done that. I've put it on a, on the, on my Google drive and put a link in the description here for the uh, YouTube video. And there'll be a link in the uh, show notes as well for the, uh, pal- for the downloaders. So if you want to read Ben and I's, uh, excellent, excellent piece of fan fiction and congratulations to Ben and I for finishing it. It's a, it's a, it's a quite an accomplishment. And, and I really, uh, set the bar very high for all of us aspiring writers and, uh, Whatever you do next, man, I can't wait to see what it is. And um, I encourage everybody to go and uh, go and check it out. So from there, we have three introductions this week to the community. So uh, first up, 
uh, was Swerve126. He says, hello, EQ, EQ, EQ and EQ2 player here. Ready to get a group and start playing. Just trying to decide on my first class. Can't wait till launch. So short and sweet. Uh, Tyrock said, I'm uh, welcome. I'm Tyrock. I've played most MMOs that are out there. Now I've not played all of them, but I've played most of them. Been playing uh, MMOs since the Ultima Online and EverQuest days. And he's, uh, yeah, so he's checking in. And then lastly was uh, Risky Bisky says, greetings. I thought I'd make a basic hello thread on the forums. Break my radio silence since putting in a basic pledge onto the game. Hoping to be more active as the content builds and there's more stuff to discuss. But otherwise, I hope you're all doing well. So yeah, uh, go over the forums, stop in, say hi, welcome them to the community. And uh, that's it for this week's community discussions. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it gets here, I just yell, mail! We're getting sued. All right, so there is the mailbox song. So that means it's time to get into some mail. So like I said, we skipped a couple things on the show today so that we could uh, really focus on the experience we had in pre-alpha 5. But again, as Theric said, community is really important to us. So we take questions every week, whether it's on Twitter, uh, you can direct message us on Discord, or you can do it right in our Pantheon Plus Discord channel, where you there is a channel called Rerun Questions. We reset it every week, and we pick the questions that we think are fun or, or you know, peg our interest, <laughs> I guess you'd say. And we just take them all most of the time. <laughs> if they're in there, a lot I'm, of times, yeah. I'm taking them. Maybe some of them get a little, a little edited for uh, for time. But uh, yeah, no, most of them. Uh, people have been. It's been very popular. People seem to enjoy it. So, all right. So let's get into it. The first one's from Choban, and he talks about languages. So they say, will there be an actual role in Pantheon for languages, assuming they even exist? It felt like EQ languages only served as a number to max. Players could use them but their uses were almost non-existent. Maybe inner city NPCs were less likely to speak common or knowing the language of the person you're talking to would slightly increase faction or mood towards you based on mastery. Or quests maybe that we'll see with a normal race specific could open up if you knew the language. So long story short there, Theric, um, do you think mm-hmm. languages should play a big role into the world of Pantheon? Yeah, I had to think about this one. Um, and the only thing I can think about it and what they've talked about from the world design standpoint, they have talked about like the NPCs having race appropriate names, right? And putting them in the world. So that sort of implies that there will be, you know, racial languages in the world. But I don't think we've seen anything from an in-game mechanic. And I could be wrong, obviously. I haven't, you know, none of a perfect memory for this stuff, but um, I don't recall them talking about this at all. Now, should there be uh, yeah, in EQ, it was, it was pretty fun. Like, like he, like Choban said, it wasn't that useful, but you know what I came across actually something that I think is sort of related to this. And that's in Pantheon, in the lore, there's quite a bit of talk about the dragon tongues, right? So the languages of the dragons and translating the dragon accord is like a central theme in the keepings of Castigo. So we know there are, they have identified there are two languages of dragons. There's the Drakfane, and then there's like the deeper, more obscure language called the Drak Elrin. I would absolutely love to see players be able to learn like a dragon language through some sort of long, maybe like intense, involved storyline or something like that. So even if they don't do like racial languages, just do like these dragon languages. That would be so cool. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, yes. From from a standpoint of the world being alive and, and making that more, you know, connection to the world, not a game situation that we always talk about. Um, I think it is important because you have these races from different planets. How could they speak the same, right? Yeah, right. There, there exactly. obviously should be a common tongue that's developed, and usually that's just human. 
Um, but I think that when you look at EQ, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, you just sit there and talk over and over with people and eventually just levels up, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't a very exciting thing to learn the languages. <laughs> um, so if there was a, a, a more interesting system and like you said, more quest based or having to find scrolls or translation scrolls, like, like that would be a really cool way for it to happen. But I think if you just sit in a group and everyone's talking and then you eventually learn it, that's boring. And it, it feels yeah. like it's just tossed in at that point. Yeah, I agree. I would agree with that. It, was, it needs to be more uh, useful than, uh, than what it was. So yeah. the next one here is from Lucille. She says, or he says, sorry. Um, what would you think of like an overarching main quest that introduces the lore of Terminus and all the ports of the world? Um, I'll start with this one. I mean, I think sure. it's, I think it's important. Um, I don't want to call it a main quest. I think that oh, it's hard. There, there should be quests. There should be things you stumble upon, whether it's through perception or whatever it is. People want to know why Terminus exists. People want to know how these planets have collided. Why are the Pantheons coming here? And I think if I'm not mistaken, um, and Theric, you probably correct me here, but wasn't it said either by Justin or Joppa that, you know, we're going to find that out, but it may not be, you know, a launch mm-hmm. thing or a first expansion. Like that's going to be a mystery we're working on for a long time. Right. Yeah. That's my understanding as well. That's sort of the, the, the background. That's the big background that we're all sort of working against. And, and they've set this up as like the, again, I don't like the word main quest either, but sort of the uh, central theme, I guess you might say, and, and everything's going to sort of come back to that in some way. So, you know, and you know, they've talked about this a little bit and, and we've talked about it in community as well about, you know, we don't want sort of a main quest. We don't, we're not the hero, right? We're not the savior of the world. And, and like you see in other games, right? Um, I think a world tour type of storyline is a really good idea though. You know, like I do want there to be like, I think what Lucille is sort of getting at is, you know, give me something, give me a, a storyline that takes me to different parts of the world and then, un, you know, connects. uncover some lore of yeah. connects. Right. And, and don't just make it like uh, individually uh, pieces, put it all together into some cohesive thing. So I do like the idea, just not like a main quest kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So Technin just says, and it's funny because I think I saw him ask this and you're like, well, I already know mine is his answer here, but uh, Tech Ninja <laughs> yeah. said, uh, which non-boss NPC have you killed the most while farming and what item were you after? So I'm going to let you <laughs> okay. go ahead. What's mine? I mean, you know me well at this point. Well, I know what yours is. Yeah. Yours is the ancient Cyclops, right? Like yours yeah. is the J boots. Yeah. But I'll, I'll, I, this is a great question. I had to actually think about this um, for me because I wanted to sort of like, you know, think of something that I hadn't sort of talked about before and i came up with a great answer for this because when you have a mob in two different games the exact same mob is in <laughs> two different games and you farmed them endlessly in both definitely qualifies here so you remember in everquest and i don't know if you, you didn't play much everquest too i don't I think did. but everquest too did. okay no. yeah well you remember those ridiculous pumpkin-headed scarecrows oh yeah 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 <laughs> Man, in EverQuest 1, I farmed those suckers and I farmed them in EverQuest 2 because they were good at low level for XP. I think they dropped some decent items, at least in EverQuest 1, and they were like plentiful and they were actually spaced out so you didn't get three or four of them at a time. Mm. And, and, you know, I can still hear that laugh, that ridiculous pumpkin head laugh in my head, you know. And the thing is, I realized is that they spawned in farms. So 
when I said I was farming, I was actually farming them <laughs> in a farm. So how's that for a pretty perfect That's answer? Good. For that yeah, you're, you're right about mine too. The ancient Cyclops for the ring was, um, I mean, it was, it was a sickness. It was, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I had J boots on my bard, which is useless <laughs> really. I mean, you have your bard song, it's faster. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I had them on every character and I had to have them. Like I had to, I, I had to just stand by people in the East commons tunnel and right click them. So it said, you know, you know, blood scar moves faster, you know, or dark right. sin moves faster. <laughs> I just click it a million times. So their screen would fill up as I stood next to them just to let them know I had them. Just flexing um, on all those. Yeah. So it's definitely, <laughs> that's definitely it. I don't know if it'll ever be topped either. So we'll see. We'll um, see. Shepto said, what item or items do you remember wanting, but never being able to obtain because it was removed or changed from the game? So he gives examples of like a mana stone, moss covered twig. Um, and obviously it doesn't have to be EQ. Um, I'll start with this one. So, and yep. I'm going to get this wrong. So you're going to have to correct me or someone in chat's going to have to correct me, but um, so there was an original EQ in, um, Guck, the, in the assassin room, or was it the, like the supplier was up there in that little, yeah. that little room you climbed up the ladder and he dropped yeah. the mask of deception. Um, yeah. so, so the, I think if I'm not mistaken, and this is where I might get this wrong, the mask of deception was the second version. And the Mask of Deception only worked for rogues and bards, I think. And you could turn into a dark elf. But the original one worked for everybody. And I think that, that was called the Mask of the Deceiver. The Guise of the Deceiver? Guise of the it? Deceiver. Maybe that was it, yeah. So yeah. I never got the original one. And you know me, I love changing my form. Like, I love items that turn you into a skeleton or, or you know, turn you into the opposite races. Like, I just love stuff like that across every game. And I never got that original one and they, they removed it. So I wasn't able to. Yeah. I think you're right about that. I, I wouldn't try to correct it because my memory isn't great about that either, but I think you have it right. Uh, that's a good example. That's a good example. I hadn't thought of that one. Uh, for me is, is uh, Rubicide armor. Oh. They, um, they took it out of the game. It was no longer, I mean, you could still sort of, you could still get it um, from the market. It was still viable, uh, but you couldn't get it uh, dropped anymore. It didn't drop from mobs anymore. So it was a it was a cool looking it was some of the coolest looking army we've ever seen um especially for ranger it, was, it looked like red plate on a ranger it was pretty sweet so <laughs> yeah rubicite oh miss it i remember <laughs> rubicite for sure yeah uh jj said um we know the goal of pantheon is to be an old school mmorpg in the modern era there's certain roles pantheon is following in order to create that however we know the importance of making some things modern to attract new players what is the modern features of MMOs that you think would fit well in Pantheon without sacrificing the goal of what type of game it intends to be? I'll let you start on that one. Yeah, I had, um, I had sort of a, uh, we've talked about being making a companion app or something for Pantheon, right? Mm, we've had yeah. the idea of something to keep you connected to the game when you can't be playing it on your computer, you know, and you're at work or whatever. And we've theory crafted about that. Now, like I said earlier, I've, um, been playing some Final Fantasy XIV recently. They have a companion app for that game. Now I haven't delved into it and I haven't fooled around with it too much, but it just shows that it can be done. Like I think it's a good idea for, and I think obviously if another you know game and another company like Square Enix has has done something like this, there's obviously some potential for it. So I would I would love to see something like that get developed for Pantheon down the road, or you know at least some some sort of idea along those lines. What about you? 
Yeah, that's a that's a good one, actually, because like I remember looking at the WoW Armory quite a bit and just being able to look at my character when I wasn't playing or, you know, think through some stuff. So that was pretty cool. Be able to show people my character, you know, mm-hmm. check out my character, right? Um, <laughs> this is tough. Um, you know, I, I should I say it? I mean, I think people probably know uh, what I'm thinking here, right? I, I think I know what you're thinking, but I hope I, not. <laughs> I'm not supposed to say it, but yeah, transmog. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's not as bad as I thought. I thought you were going to go with the, uh, the I word, the instancing word. I was thinking uh, about the instancing word, but we've gone into that. I've said that already. I said, I think, you know, I think there's a room to do open world 90, 90% of the time with 10% instancing. So you can see epic stuff, but I've been there and done that. So, you know, we've talked about transwalk. I just, I think that it is, and I've, I've talked about this a lot and, and people who watched my video who were not happy with me missed something. I think that's really important in a game where you can't remove items from the economy in an easy way because everything's tradable, having transmog make you sacrifice items is a huge economy keeper. Um, yeah. And I just, I think that it adds, it adds value to crafters who are making older gear that people want to keep into their collection. Uh, I just think that there's everyone's fears of the bunny costumes and, you know, shop and, and all that nonsense. I just think that it's a, it would really help the game's overall economy to have a sacrificing system in to have like a gear library. I do think that would be important, but I know people are yeah. going to flip out in chat as, as I'm saying this, people are mad in chat. I'm sure. <laughs> go, go watch Minus's video again. You can get mad all oh, over again, geez. but you can also hear a very good argument as to why it should exist. So. Maybe, maybe uh, John yeah. Wayne says, what are your thoughts on in-game NPC tributes for characters and people in real life? Derek? Uh, well, I'm going to say with one exception, I don't really want to see anything like that. Um, in a, in the game, I don't want to see anything sort of referencing real life stuff um, in a fantasy world. Uh, you know, keep the keep the outside world outside. Um, the only exception, obviously, um, would be something in Pantheon for uh, for Eridun. Um and I think we know that they're going to do something like that. They've said as much. So um, obviously, that would be fully embraced, and, and I think nobody in the community would be against that. But outside of that, I'm going to say no. Yeah, it's tough because there's part of me that says like if we're playing Pantheon for 10 years and there's people who've had a huge impact on it and something were to unfortunately happen, um, I think that there's a very, I don't know, when you're talking about this world we're in, right? Like there's to, to be able to honor somebody and, and have that memory in the game that a player can walk up to it and even ask a veteran player like, what is this? And to be able to kind of remember somebody um, who is important, um, it, if it's done tastefully, it's, I think it's cool. Like if it's, you know, a Chuck Norris statue, I'm not into that, but (laughs) if it's, if it's actually meaningful and deep to the progress of the years that we hopefully get to play Pantheon, I think it's cool. And, and yeah, Eridun, Eridun needs a statue. So, I mean, I think we all agree on that one. So, um, but yeah. So last question in the mailbox from Gulu Gulu. He says, if you create a bard song or a necromancer spell named after Pantheon plus community members, (laughs) Very what important. would their effects be? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you go first. I got a good one for this. I'll let you go first. Oh my gosh. This is ridiculous. Uh, after a Pantheon plus community member, if you have <laughs> one, you have to go first. Cause I'm not, I'm okay. not ready. I'm not ready. Okay. 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 So this definitely requires some creativity. I would not be Trump wanting to try to create this one on the spot, answer this one on the spot right now. So I feel for you, but I decided to go with friend of the show, Zerg jerk. And we know a lot about Zergerk. You know, he talks about himself a little bit, you know, like real life stuff, like what he does for a living and that kind of stuff. 
and we know about his preferences for like weaponry and that kind of stuff. So I would make a bard song for Zerg Jerk called Dance of the Dwarven Spears. The effect would be that when you wielded spears, they had to be spears, they would become electrified and they would gain an ability to kill instantly any gnomes. And I know Zergerk would appreciate that. That would be his song. And so I know it's a bit of an inside joke, but I know Zergerk listens to the show and he supports the show like crazy. So he'll appreciate that one. I thought I had to give him a little bit of a, a little bit of a little bit of love there. So, yeah. Okay. I got it. You got Very it. Fast. Okay, good. I'm ready. Hit me. I'm going to call it the manuscript of 187. And it's <laughs> going to be a bard song. <laughs> And it is able to be channeled as long as you would like it to be. And as you're channeling a mob who is a caster who has to concentrate, their spellcasting speed is nullified to almost zero because they have to be able to listen to the extreme details of the song and they cannot look away uh, until that conversation is finalized. So that is the manuscript of 187. Wow. Wow. That's perfect. Wow. For on the spot, that's, that's pretty good, man. I got to give you props for that. Holy cow. Yeah. 187 is uh, uh, verbose, uh, <laughs> <laughs> certainly capable of, of long twisting manuscripts. But very, but, uh, I mean, he's, he's on point. I mean, that guy has a oh, encyclopedia of knowledge, but if you're going to get into the talk, know what you're talking about because he does. Um, so if you don't back out and bow and say, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Good advice. Good advice. All right, guys. Well, you joined us today for what we would consider a very special episode of the rewind. Um, we hope you enjoyed our story about the experiences that I was able to have in pre-alpha five. And we hope that you, if you're just discovering us for the first time, that you enjoy hearing from the community. It's a lot of what we do on this show. And we hope we see you back uh, when we're not doing exclusive content. Uh, we really appreciate everyone who gives us their time. So with that said, we will see you next week. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Be sure to follow Minus and all Pantheon Plus related content on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube under the name Pantheon Plus. Also, be sure to follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter. Keep up to date on all Pantheon Rise of the Fallen information on www.pantheon.plus, the definitive source for all media of Pantheon. Until next time.